The desire of Titus Women is to invite women around the world to know Jesus as their Savior, Center, and Source. May God guide and encourage you through this message by Beth Coppage. John 1.14 And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He was not, this man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not the light. He was sent to bear witness of the light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. And in this first chapter of John, it is the beauty of the incarnation. All of us know at times when we tuck our kids in bed and, we, and they're having a hard time going to sleep and you say to them, um, honey, don't worry, Jesus is with you. And they said, we know that, Mama, but we want somebody with skin on. Is that not true? And that is what God knew. He knew we wanted somebody with skin on. We could not comprehend God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So who did he send? God himself in the person of Jesus. So that is what he does in your world and mine. He sends us. Our name isn't John particularly, but there's a woman sent from God. And her name may be Susanna, or her name may be Fiona, or her name may be Sarah. She is not the light, but she is sent to bear witness to the light. And so as we come into soul winning, and disciple making, we do not save souls. We're not responsible. So is that not happy? We are simply a witness, a witness. He is the savior and Jesus is the sanctifier. Our part is simply to be willing and available for the spirit of Jesus to use us as a witness as in word and in deed. And so that he comes and we're just available. Psalm 105. I love it. Let the redeemed of the Lord say, So whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy, we all qualify. Just say what Jesus has done for you and me. It, it, the beauty of being filled with the Holy Spirit is immediately one of the marks of a spirit-filled believer is that all of a sudden you care about the ones in the world in which you live. And you begin to think, how do I tell them about Jesus? It happened at the end of this first chapter. They went and said, we just found one. We think he's the son of God. And to Nathaniel, and said, it came from Nazareth? How's that possible? So that there's immediate desire to share the one that we have found with others. It is the mark of the Spirit-filled life. And so that, and when the Spirit comes in, Ephesians 1 talks about giving us hard eyes to begin to see the needs of others so you and I can begin to see where people are, work, uh, God is working, and then when they ask questions, or they just are there all the time around you, you begin to sense God's working there. Now, Lord, help me establish me. I get so I pray every day before I even start the day. First Thessalonians 2, 16 and 17. 
Establish me, O oh Lord, in every good word and work. Because sometimes things can come out of my mouth that are not a help to Jesus or anybody else. <laughs> so if he touches my mouth every day, that just helps the whole world. So as establishes in every good word and work. Okay, sharing Jesus is the overflow of a heart in love with Jesus. Just like we shared last night, when I began to spend all that time with Jesus, you can't help but talk about Jesus. I remember when I first fell in love with Al. And I was telling Cricket this the other day. I said, I remember one day my mother said to me, I cannot wait till you marry that man. And I was floored because she was not like pushing me out the door. I said, Mother, why? I was so excited. She said, because all you can talk about is Al Coppage. We can have tacos for supper. And you go, Al loves tacos. <laughs> is Al Coppage. When you get married, you will have a little reality check, which will help the rest of it. <laughs> I was like floored, and that, that did happen. I got a little reality check. But up to that point, with Jesus, we never even get, I still, you know what I mean, but, you, but with Jesus, when he becomes the center of your heart, it is out of the overflow. You just can't help sharing it. It's not something you have to do. It is the overflow of your heart. You spend time with Jesus and he, he opens up the opportunities. So that if we live in the spirit, his spirit goes before us. And he prepares the way for our witness. If he ever lays anybody on your heart and you said, Jesus, I'm not quite sure I want to witness there. Um, and ladies, he's done that for me. I just shared with my table last night when we went back to England and we went to see where I lived. God said, I want you to witness to your next door neighbor. And they were both professors at the university in genetic engineering. And they were Marxists. And when they heard we through the grapevine in our complex that we were evangelical Christians, they never spoke to us. And, and right before we left, God said, you've never talked to your neighbor about me. I said, no, I'm afraid of her. And I said, I don't want to talk to her. And I said, I never see her. So I went to the grocery store, and there was my neighbor. <laughs> and I hid. And I went behind the stacks, and I said, and he said, there she is. I said, I don't want to talk to her. And I said, you'll have to give me courage. <sighs> so then I said, you wouldn't want to come for tea, would you? <laughs> she did. And so I had her for tea. And then I said, how do I talk to her about you? And we had daffodils on the table. And she went through all her theories of genetic engineering. And I was kind of horrified. And then I just, I don't know what I said, but I just said, I just want to tell you, I see these daffodils as a love gift from my loving Heavenly Father who loved me and sent Jesus to die for my sin. And the woman got full of tears 
and said, I'd give anything to believe like that. And I said, you could, you just have to choose. I never saw her again. But ladies, two weeks ago, we went back to that place and I was showing Billy our house. And do you know who came to the door was her husband. And then he chased me to the parking lot and goes, who are you, lady? And it was 42 years later, I prayed for him for a solid year. Now, I wasn't the last word. The man, I'm sure, is still lost. But God is, if he goes before and he can give courage, he can get some respond, some don't. Our part is there's a woman sent from God fill in your name. And 42 years later, he may be still trying to reach that family with himself. So he says, he gives strength then when we are rejected. And we will be. We will be. There'll be times nobody spoke to me in the whole complex that whole year except the one neighbor on the other side. I was branded. I was branded. But one found Jesus, there's always one. Amen. There's always one. And you just have to look for the hungry hearts that he brings. You and I cannot save anyone. We simply are a witness. And that's why we believe in the precious presence of the Holy Spirit, so that we don't profane his name, so that he can so fill us with his agape love, with his sweetness. He can touch our mouths so that what comes out of our lives is Jesus, and then more Jesus, and more Jesus. Because whether you know it or not, they don't read their Bible quite yet. They read you and me. Now, we're just going to talk a little bit about that and then in the seminar on soul winning. And then, but it's been on my heart. the children. So I asked Susanna, my daughter, if she would come and she's going to do part of the seminar on winning children to Jesus. And so she's just going to talk a moment and then I'll go to our seminars but just what it means to bring children children to Jesus. There's no words. There's no pictures. It's totally blank. And then you say, yes, it's blank. But this book tells the greatest story that ever was. And you know what's weird about this book? You start in the back. And you open it to the gold page. So you can turn to the back. What does, ladies, I'm sorry, I'm going to treat you like your kids. And I'm going to jump back and forth. You're an adult and you're a child. Because I don't know how else to do this. <laughs> What, I, what does the gold page remind you of? 
Heaven. Santa, yes, Heaven, perfect. Yes, it reminds us of, of both, actually. It reminds us of Heaven, and this is where God lives. Revelation 21-12 tells us that the streets in Heaven are made out of gold. And God is so excited for you to know Him and know about Him in the wonderful place He has made His home, and everything good is in Heaven. Can you think of some things that you love that are really good? Give me a sample. Chocolate. Yes. <laughs> what about animals? Does somebody you love animals? Dogs. Dogs. Flowers. Riding your bike. Yes. All these things are good. And we know that God is the creator of everything that's good and fun and happy. And in him is light. So we know that everything in heaven is going to be amazing and beautiful and fun. That's usually where I go. Um, because he thought of everything, and he made heaven, and he made earth, and he made you, and he made me. He made everybody, and he loves us. And he loves us, that's why he made it so wonderful, because he's wonderful. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. the world. He loves us, and that's why it's so wonderful. The reason heaven is so great is that there's nothing to happen, because God is holy. And that's a big word that just means he's perfect. He's never done anything wrong. And so nobody in heaven is mean. Nobody's rude. Nobody's going to steal your bike. There's no sickness. Revelation tells us there's no crime. Everything that is happy is in heaven. Nothing ugly, nothing unholy or perfect can come, or that's not perfect, can come near God. In his presence, it's beautiful and it's safe. And this morning when I was talking to my son, he was like, that means I can ride my bike wherever I want in heaven? Yes. Because there's no bad guys in heaven. Like, you're safe. You're in the presence of God. It's safe. I'm trying to make sure I don't, I don't miss anything. But there is one thing that can never be in heaven. Go to the front of the book, ladies. Ah, no. The dark page. Yes, I know this is the dark page. This is not the black page. Because we're talking about a condition of the heart. And I think on your, on your worksheet there's a bunch of verses, there should be, that, um, that kind of show that our heart is dark. And you can, you can say them. I actually only say pretty much one verse a page, like I did John 3.16 on the last verse, the last page. Um, because if you get too many verses, they're not going to follow you. So kind of keep it as simple as possible. And even when you have adults, if you get too many verses, they're not going to follow you either. <laughs> so keep it simple. Like here's the dark page. Everybody is born wanting to do what's wrong, and that's sin. And then define it for him. Sin is anything we think, do, or say that does not please God. And if they're little, I say that makes God so sad. Can you think of anything that's sad? Children make examples of sin. <laughs> lying. Yeah, lying is super sad. What about if somebody takes something from you? That's really sad. The Bible tells us that everybody has sinned. Everybody has made God sad. Everyone has, has displeased him. Romans 8.23, everybody's sinned. Nobody is as perfect and holy as God is. And that makes God super sad. Now, at this point, I usually ask them if they've ever sinned. So I'm going to ask you guys. Have you all ever sinned? Have you ever done anything that might make God sad? Have you ever kicked your dog? (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever thrown hot chocolate on your friend? Maybe. Sometimes I like to get silly at this point because you want to keep them with you. So if you can throw in a silly, sin is not silly. I'm not saying that. But if you can make them laugh a little bit at this point, if you're with small kids, it does help. Help. Let's keep them with you. Um, so if they say no, they've never sinned. 
then you know they're probably not ready to ask Jesus into their heart. This is your big clue. If they're still with you, keep on going, especially if you're in a big class. Keep on going because you never know when the realization of sin will hit them. They might have just gotten a spank. They might get a spank in the next day or be put in timeout and all of a sudden they're like, oh, that's what she was talking about. I've sinned. And then they may pray to ask Jesus into their hearts without anybody there. So keep going. Even if you realize they're not ready, just keep on going. But everyone who, um, you know you're ready if you have a full understanding that you are a sinner. And that's a big, that's a big thing to make sure that they, that they know. So we've sinned. We've all messed up. But God hasn't. Because remember from our first page? He's perfect. He's never done anything wrong. He has no sin in it, and because of that, we can't get near him. And I like to think about magnets. Have you ever played with magnets? And you push them, on one side you put them together and they stick really close, and then if you flip it over, they push away from each other, and you can't get them to touch no matter how much you squish. And that's how it is with God. If we have sin in our hearts, like we're all born with, we can't get close to him. It pushes, his holiness won't, won't let our sin near him. It just Away. So we have to have a clean heart to draw near to him. And God wanted us to be near him. And so he made a plan, a great plan, that would help us to be able to come close to him. What is this red page remind you of? Love. Yes, good. Love, blood. <laughs> this reminds us of the one person who has never sinned. Does anyone remember who that one person is? Jesus. Never sinned. He never did anything wrong. He was God's son, and he never thought, did, or said anything that displeased God. So, the Bible tells us in the Old Testament, in Hebrews 9:22, that without someone dying, there's no forgiveness of sins. So it was either we had to die for our sin, or Jesus could die for the sin of everybody. And that's what's so amazing. Jesus came and died on the cross and rose again. And he's still alive. Because of, and because of that, you can have your sins forgiven, and you can live near to God like those magnets. You can be stuck to God because you can have a clean heart. Not a white heart, a clean heart. It's really hard to remember that, but it is important, girls. So remember, it's the clean heart. If we ask Jesus, he will wash our yucky, dark hearts clean as a whistle. Now, I want you to remember this verse, First, um, John 1.12. But to all who believe and accept him, he gave the right to become children of God. And there's three ways, there's three things to do if you want to ask Jesus to give you a squeaky clean heart. You need to A, admit that you have sinned and you can't save yourself. B, you need to believe Jesus died on the cross, was buried, and rose again to wash your sins away. And C, you need to choose to receive Jesus knowing that he's going to forgive your sins and make you his child. And then you ask the child. Do you want to ask Jesus to give you a clean heart? They may say yes, they may say no. If they say no, that's okay. <laughs> if you're in a large group, this is usually where I have the kids raise their hands if they want to ask Jesus to heart. Sometimes I'll say, let's bow our heads and let's pray. And if you want to ask Jesus to give you a clean heart, raise your hands. Usually, you, it depends on the age, it depends on the children. Sometimes you get every single hand, sometimes you get no hands, sometimes you get some hands. If you're in a small group setting and you don't have anybody with you, usually I try to have plans, if I'm not going to do this lesson, I try to have something planned that half the kids can work on by themselves independently. 
and then I can do a little small group. Sometimes you can't, we just do it all together. <laughs> it kind of depends on the situation. Um, if you just have one and you have a helper, after you do your little closing prayer, pull that one aside or out in the hallway and talk to them on their own. And then these are the questions you want to ask a child who said, yes, I want to ask Jesus to give me a clean heart. Go back through each of the pages and just go over the pages with them. Well, do you remember who lives in heaven? What's so special about God? And you want to make sure they know he made them, love them, and he's holy. And then this page, the dark page. You want to make sure they know have they ever sinned. Do they know what sin is? If they, they don't have to say anything we think to or say that does not please God. They don't have to say that. But if they give you an example, you'll know if they understand what sin is. And, and if they have sinned. And then the red page. Who died on the cross for our sins? What did Jesus do? And, and why do we want to ask his, why do we want to ask him to forgive us? And then our clean page. How do we ask him to forgive us? What do we say? Would you like to do that now? And if you get to the end, you've gone through them all over again. This doesn't have to take long. Just It can be as fast as I just did it. Um, then go through the ABCs again. Have, ask them to admit that they're a sinner, believe that Jesus died on the cross, and choose to receive Jesus. And they, then you can pray. And they may not want to pray. They may not know what to pray. They'll be like, no. Most of them won't know. But that's okay. You can, um, you can say the prayer first, and then they can repeat after you. Or you can just pray, and they can pray quietly in their hearts. If you can get them to pray out loud, I think it's usually best, but they don't Of course not. We want this to be a happy experience, not dramatizing for them. So um, you, this is an example. I think on your on your board, <coughs> on their page, you can click and see. Dear Jesus, I know I've sinned. I believe you died on the cross for my sin. I choose you as my Savior. Forgive me. Please forgive my sin. Thank you for washing my heart clean. I love you. Amen. And then, if they pray that, take a minute and celebrate. Sometimes we're like, no, go onto the green page. Don't go onto the green page. Celebrate. This is exciting. So hug them if it's appropriate. Smile. Be excited. Do a cheer. This is a big, this is the best thing that's ever happened to them. So pause for a minute. Take it in. Let them take it in. This is a big deal. And then we go on to the assurance. John 1, 12. Whose child are you? And put their name in it. But to all who believe it, to those who have received him, he gives Rhonda. He gives Maddie. The right to become a child of God. And then this is my favorite part. Tell them about Luke. Luke 15, the, the parable of the lost sheep. When you ask Jesus into your heart, he takes a big pen. And in Revelation, it tells us he writes your name in a special book of life. And then there's a party. And talk about the angels. And there's a party. And they have confetti. And they're so happy. And just <laughs> be excited. This is a big deal. You want to know that like, the whole heavens are celebrating that their name is in his special book of life. And most kids really like it, even if you just do it. And then he writes your name. They love that. They really like their name written in his book. Then I usually teach him Hebrews. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. And this helps. My kids, my kids like this one. Um, Jesus has a special promise for you. Now that your name is in his special book, I will never leave you. Just do it on each hand. And have him repeat it after you a couple times. I will never leave you. And you can say their name. And then he is going to help you say no to sin. He's going to help you so that your heart can stay clean. And you can be like the magnet, stuck right to Jesus. And on the other hand, this is the second part of the verse, verse 6. The Lord is my helper. So I will never leave you. The Lord is my helper. And when they lay in bed at night, they can just say that. I will never leave you. The Lord is my helper. Go over it with them a couple times so they get it stuck in their little heads. <coughs> 
and then we're finally ready. This doesn't take as long as it seems like it might, ladies. Then we're ready for the green page. What is our last color? Green. And what does this remind you of? Growing, exactly, yes. And the easy way we remember this is grow. G-R-O-W, can you tell I like to use my fingers? Go to church, read your Bible and pray, obey Jesus and your mom and dad next, and witness, tell other people what he's done for you and how good he is. Because the more we talk about it, the more we sense his presence, the more we know him. Um, so then I like to have the child tell whoever else is in the room, or their mom and dad, if we're in a classroom situation, what's happened. They need to cement it, they need to go on the record, they need to tell someone, and they don't naturally tell people. So unless you have a super extroverted child, they're not gonna tell anybody. So encourage them to tell the other teacher or to tell a friend in the class. And then when their parents come, please be sure, if it's a class situation, that you tell their parents. because. And you may find out this is the 14th time they've prayed to ask Jesus into their heart, and that's a whole other conversation. But um, but it's good if we can if we can talk to them, talk, let let their parents know, let someone who's in charge know. Um, is it not on the sheet? It might be. It's on the back sheet. Okay. Okay. And here are some here's some little tips, ladies, that I found out the hard way. Don't look up each verse. Either know your verses or tab them in your Bible and flip to them. Don't don't look them up and read them. It's a time killer. And you can use other verses. I have given you some verses. CEF has a million verses. You might be reading through your Bible and be like, oh, that's a great verse on heaven. That's great. It's like there's not one best scripture to use. You'll notice I didn't use, though, your sins be like scarlet, they'll be white as snow. Because I think it's confusing when you tell them they have a dark heart and then they have a red heart. And then I think that's confusing. So, um, but it might not be for your child. They might be more brilliant than the ones I want. <laughs> practice. Practice. If you know you're going to use the word this book, practice it. Know it inside out. Know the points. You want to know that on this page, God is love. He is holy, and he made everything. It's not hard, but you want to know it. So when you're in there, you're not leaving out something big in the kids. What? God made me? At the end, you didn't even realize God had made me. You know, we don't want to leave out a big thing. Know what's age-appropriate for each child so you don't get stuck kind of in minutia or making it too hard for a four-year-old and too simple for a four-year-old. Um, if they're four, they're usually pretty ready. I played with a lot of four-year-olds as Jesus into that heart. Younger than four, you know, maybe. Maybe they might be. It depends on the, on the four-year-old. The older they get, the more they understand, but the more questions they have. So be prepared for that, too. They might have a lot of really deep and depth questions. Today, as I went through it with my daughter, who's almost 12, then she asked me a question about, like, eternal eternal security. I'm like, oh, well, yes. Can I finish my little speech first? <laughs> but be prepared. You want to be prepared for some of the questions that they might throw at you. Um, don't use a difficult translation. A lot of us have grown up with wonderful translations like the King James and even the New King James, and those are hard. And so if you say the chastisement that brought us peace was upon him, they're not going to have a clue what you're saying. And we, we want him to understand. So either take a comp like, like John 30, 16, or put it in your own words as close to the scripture as you can. But think about, think about your audience. They may not want to pray. If you get caught in the end, they don't want to pray. That's okay. Like you've told them, it's okay. If 
Um, some weeks I've gotten to the end and the child was with me, they didn't want to pray. But then the next week you can do the same presentation and they do want to pray. So sometimes it just takes a little calculating. And with my own kids, I think I told them maybe 50 times before they were ready. Yeah, because I started little. So I, they had heard this wordless book presentation 40,000 times. But it's good practice. If you have young grandchildren or children and you want to, it's good practice. And they'll get it eventually. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully, we're willing. Um, um, I don't use the expression, if I can help it, asking Jesus into, into their hearts. I think this was an 80s expression. I'm not sure, but it's something that pops out of me all the time, asking Jesus into your heart. If you have church kids, I'm sure they'll be fine with it. But if you have a literal child you're working with, trust me, I've had one literal child, and he was like, what ventricle mom? <laughs> How big was he? Did he have a beard? Did he have a beard? How does he get in? And can I get him out? <laughs> oh, no, no. Jesus, we want our hearts to be clean. If you can avoid using the expression Jesus in your heart, I highly recommend it. Because it may take you down a long, winding path and derail your train. Um, often, when we present the gospel, and if you use DEF materials, this is this is super common. So. As a Wesleyan person, I'm just going to throw this out there, take it or leave it. But they often talk about sin is punished with hell. The punishment of sin is death. And that's true. Sin is punished with hell. and that is. But heaven is not my goal for these kids. And hell is not what we're trying to avoid. We want them to know Jesus. And the whole point is that they have a clean heart so they can be near Jesus. And the only reason heaven is good is because that's where Jesus is. It's not good without him. So if you can, um, and if you're reading through materials and they, they talk about that, just kind of be able to think about it in your own frame of reference for it. We don't want to teach him you're trying to avoid hell and just get to heaven. Like, that's the goal. Hell, heaven's not the goal. Jesus is the goal. Yes. In with what you said with the magnets, another yeah. way that you can say it and another picture that people have seen oftentimes is the gap thing where there's a separation. Sin yes. causes a separation between us and God, and then Jesus bridges that gap. That is the plan. Yes. That's what you said. You could talk about a separation. Yes, exactly. That's beautiful. Eternally yeah. separated from God, and we don't want that. We want to be, yeah. we want to be close. Yep. Yes, exactly. Um, okay, so... I think, I think we talked about that a little bit. Oh, um, if you, whether you do it, it, use this kind of book and do it a week by week, like we did the dark part one day, and the next week we did the red page, and the next week, or if you do it all in one lump sum, it's not going to be your favorite lesson to teach. I'm just going to be honest. This is probably going to be your most contested lesson. You're going to have spiritual attack. You're going to want to do Daniel in the lion's den or walking around Jericho. You're going to want to do something else, and I don't know why. But I've done this for a long time, and every time I do a wordless book, or even do the just one page a week, and then we get to the white page, or the, sorry, see, I did it, the clean page, then we get to the clean page, and man, it's, you don't want to teach it for some reason, so be prepared. You may not be like me, but for some reason, every time I'm like, oh, Lord, I think they're going to be too restless, or they're too little, they're not with me. Just do it, just obey unless the Lord really tells you clearly to change and just follow through and know in your heart going in it's going to be maybe one of your rougher lessons it's just, I, honestly I think it's just spiritual attack and hold steady I've had kids wiggle restless doing flips in the back and then I'll be like does anyone want to pray perfectly heart and eight kids will ask Jesus to forgive their sins so hold steady this is a contested lesson and every time you use the wordless book every time you present the gospel 
it's going to be contested. So just, if you know that going in the house, <laughs> have to be like, oh, this is normal, the child's growing up in the back of the room. <laughs> it's totally normal. <laughs> um, and then ask Jesus, before you get started, ask Jesus to speak your words, because it's going to feel a lot of times, especially if you're working with kids, like it's garbly gook, and like whatever you're saying is going to sound so abstract, and like how in the world are they going to understand this? They're little. They're distracted. They're used to iPods. How are they going to know what I'm talking about? But I like to think sometimes, I know this probably never happens in your homes, but when I speak to my husband, sometimes the beautiful words that I speak are not even remotely the words that he hears. <laughs> and so I like to think of that as the Lord. Like whatever's coming out, maybe the Lord just takes and he puts his words in their little ears. And he can speak through you, even if what you say feels like garbly gook. He can speak to him if you if you ask and trust him. Um, another little tip, if you are using this little wordless book and take it, you can write the verses kind of on the back. And so you can see, even if it's for the next page, if you write the verses for the dark page on the gold page, and you can like see it. And they can't necessarily see it. Or if you're like me and you go old school with construction paper, you can just write the row on the back and then you can read it and they don't know that you didn't remember. You just wrote it down in case you wouldn't forget. So this is on how to pray. And Susanna, the verses and even the whole concept of the wordless book is to bring someone into um, to the to salvation by faith in Jesus Christ. Then I would like to talk here about what it means to be to be filled with the Holy Spirit and praying with someone to be filled with this Holy Spirit. Um, or and, and so that and I'm just going to go through this. Um, just I'm going to pray too. And Jesus, they don't need to hear from me. We just need to hear from you. Right. And Lord, there's nothing more precious in all the world than praying with children or praying with people yes. that they might encounter you, the Holy One. So Holy Spirit, would you please come? And would you be in our time and then as we work through this together two by two so that when we leave this place we will be better equipped to open up you, your word so that women and teenagers and children could meet Jesus in your sweet holy name Amen, amen. Um, as there are opportunities that Jesus gives to pray with women. If you are teaching Bible study, if you are teaching classes, um, and I taught Bible study in Wilmore for over 18 years, and always at the end, we had a prayer room out alongside of where we were meeting, so that anyone who wanted to, when we had small groups like we've experienced here, but if anyone would like to pray one-on-one, -on -one, um, they could meet in that room. And then I would always go and be available for prayer one-on-one. -on -one. And then the leadership team would watch to see if there were others that went in so that, that there was a place where you could pray. And there's some things that Jesus taught in that. Um, one, he said, uh, so these are some of the things that have come out of that. When and it, or if you're in a service like we've been at it, come to the fire where there's a great big altar and a lot of response, then you just say, Jesus, who are you wanting me to pray with? 
and then he will lead you and pray that he directs you to the right person if it's a bigger group. Then always, 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 always have your scripture. And you can have your scripture on your phone. You can have your scripture. But you they don't need to hear from you. They need to hear from him. So you have your scripture. And then ask Jesus for the scripture for them. And listen, if they are weeping, and, and always find out if they're weeping, you can just touch them on and say, Honey, would you like someone to pray with you? And then sometimes... Usually they say yes. I've had a couple people say no, and then you just say, okay, super, and you just back off. But if they say yes, then first of all, find out their name. And honey, they may think they know you, especially if you have shared. It's like you know me. I was here last year, but then you don't quite remember their name. Just don't, just be embarrassed and say, honey, tell me again, would you remind me again of your name so that you know their name because we have a personal God, he knows our name, and when we are in a relationship, we need to know name to name. Something happens when we know each other's names. So if they say yes, find out their names. And then I love this. Just ask them, what is Jesus saying to you? Now, what did you come here for? What's on your mind? What's on your heart? No, it is what is Jesus saying to you? And then make that specific. And then, and then you'll listen. And then, and, and then say, Jesus, you pray and say, Jesus, what scripture do you want me to use? These are some of the scriptures that he has used down through the years that I, I love. <clears throat> on the holy heart especially Ezekiel 36 25 through 30 and it's beautiful and it's the one that says um, then I will sprinkle clean water on you and what we do oh, and then I'll always say honey I'd like you to read it after they share what God's saying to them and then, then I'll say well let's, uh, let's look at the word and take them to the word and then I'll say honey what if you pray this scripture and put your name in it? So when I sprinkle clear water, clean water on Susan, and then I will, and I, and on Susan, and Susan will be clean. I will cleanse Susan from all her filthiness and from all her idols. I will give Susan a new heart and a new spirit. I will take out Susan's heart of stone and put in a new, and give her a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within Susan and cause Susan to walk in my statutes. And as they, oh, they begin to pray and put their name in it, and then they will start to weep at different places. And it's an encounter you are just um, in on holy ground as Jesus is speaking like Fiona said directly to them from his word and then then um, and and then have have them pray through it then anything else they have on their heart and say honey would you like to pray together would you like to say to Jesus what you just told me 
and then after they prayed that scripture and what Jesus is saying, so then they put it in their words and prayed it back to Jesus. Now sometimes it's generic and the spirit will prompt you and you'll, and I've said plenty, pardon me, but that sounds pretty generic and in walking with Jesus, he usually is a lot more specific in my life than that. Are you really being honest here? And and God will leave you and you can say it in love, but it's not a, a formula, it's reality, ultimate metaphysical reality encounter with the Holy God. And I'll go, well, no, really. And then the real truth will come out. Um, and these are some things that I want to just have us, that, and some mistakes that I have made where I have not addressed them that I would like to give you as they read the scripture and put their name in it. Let me just finish that before I give you the other. Forgive me. Have them read them, ask them questions. And I will do this. Will he save you from all your filthiness or just 50%? No. A half a percent? No. And then ask, what does it, the scripture say? No, all. Then have them pray and just talk to Jesus, not generally, but specifically, and verbalize what he's saying. Then you pray. Then many times I will have them go back and thank Jesus for what he has done. And I love to use Ephesians 3, 14 through 21, which is I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and that you might, who has strengthened you in your inner man, so that you may know the height, the width, the depth, the breadth, the length of the love of God, and that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. How much does God fill us? And they'll say, all. Oh, did he do that for you? And if he has, you will sit there and notice grief. And then they'll pray, and you will notice the radiation in their face. So you can read their faces, and you will, you will have a deep sense from the Spirit whether God has transacted a work in their souls, and they really have encountered them, or if they're still on finished business there. So would you say that, Joy? Yeah, yeah. So, and then, and then we always thank Jesus. We go back and thank him. And then I love to use Zephaniah 3.17, where he says, The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty, and he will save. He will, he re he will he rejoices over you with, and will quiet you and rejoices over you with love. He rejoices over you with singing. And that is such a phenomenal concept that he loves you and I that much that he rejoices over us and when he thinks about us, it actually, he just starts to sing. <laughs> so it's just the happiest thought and then that's like, you can just see the glory that comes that that's how much Jesus loves me? Me? Really me? Oh yes. So that's a beautiful thing. And it's available even if you can't sing, like myself, but just think of the picture. Okay, then have them underline what the scriptures and say, date them if they have not. They have their phone, 
then put them in and say, when you go home, the Bible that you use, write it in your Bible that God met you and that he transformed your heart and life. Put your name down, the place, the date, so that next week when the evil one comes and says, nothing really did happen to you, you go right to that place and say, I beg your pardon, I am on record with God and Beth at the altar at da-da-da or after Bible study or in Kroger's parking lot, God met me. I resist you in the name of Jesus. Um, then this is, and then get her name down, her information, give her yours, and then pray about follow-up. I usually love to keep in my Bible, my heart Christ's home. And we've got one for everybody. We've got My Heart Christ Home for Children. This is on this spirit-filled life. So that it, and it puts it in terms of giving Jesus every room in your heart house. And it was written by Robert Munger, and God's used it for generations now. And it's, it's your heart house, and, and he gets the recreation room, he gets the living room, he gets the kitchen, what you feed on. I mean, and he go, it goes through, but then there's one last closet. And then the college student says, Jesus has rite of passage and everything, but not that closet. And one day the college kid comes home and says, Jesus says, I can't stay here. There's an awful stench from the closet. And the college kid's faced with, do I lose the living presence of Jesus? And Jesus said, I have to move out to the back porch. And then the, he's in a dilemma, which is always a dilemma when we die to self and say, Jesus, I want all of you for all of me. Because it is literally a crucifixion of the self-life. And, and the knife of the cross goes into that self-life. And, it, and, and it's not an easy decision to make but it is the most transforming decision of anyone's life. But this puts it, and finally the kid turns over the last key that says, I can't help you, Jesus. And Jesus said, no. And then he cleanses and purifies the last closet. And then the college student turns the keys of his life over to Jesus. So it puts it in very, it's a very clear presentation and it's so simple, it doesn't matter too much the educational status of people you work with, that they, it helps them to comprehend what Jesus is actually asking them for the last key of control in their life. And this is the children's one. Then another one I love is Victoria's Christian Living, which is Mark 8, that Papa did. Mark 1 through 8 is who is Jesus. Mark 8 through um, at 16 is what did he come to do, and what you see is the ineptitude of the disciples until Pentecost. They were capturable by the world until Acts 2. And, and, and so God wants, and that you and I can follow Jesus, love Jesus, be in ministry for Jesus, but still we can deny Jesus and be capturable by the world until we have died of the self and been filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So that if you have these, I just keep them in my Bible because you don't know wh who, when God will give you an opportunity to pray. And then just have them to give out 
to people you pray with. And they're, they really are helpful on the spirit-filled life. <clears throat> then these are some of the, the things that have come up in praying with women. And this is the, this is the high point of all Christian ministry. <laughs> I remember speaking one time to one, one gal was in Tennessee and little Afro-American sister and all of a sudden I was just halfway through my message and she goes, I got it. She said, oh, I need this. I just need him. I need him. She ran to the altar and I just said, ladies, pardon me, you go on. And I just went down and helped her. I mean, and he came. Because it's just like that where God's working, that's where we want to be. And when that moment comes, it's just, oh, it was just the most priceless thing. All of a sudden, it's Jesus. But sometimes, these are mistakes I've made, so you don't have to make them. Was so that sometimes, and especially in our postmodern um, world, and with all our... I, the only way for sexual purity, the secret of sexual purity, there are two, there are verses in scripture like first, um, first Thessalonians 4, 3 through 8. First Thessalonians 5 is that beautiful one about um, may God himself uh, fill you, uh, may, oh, let me get it. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you through and through, spirit, soul, and body. And so that you, so you may be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. He who calls you is faithful. He does the work. But there's another one in 1 Thessalonians 4, 3. And it says, this is the will of God, even your sanctification. And then the next thing is abstain from sexual immorality. That, you may, should, that each of you should know how to possess your own body in sanctification and honor, not in passion or lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one should take advantage of another or defraud his, his brother in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all such sexual sin, as we are forewarned and testified, for God did not call us to impurity and the word there is pornea, did not call us to pornea, but to holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this doesn't reject man. He rejects God, who has given us his Holy Spirit. The secret for sexual sin across the board for all of us is a heart made pure by the blood of Jesus and the cleansing power of the Holy Spirit. And you will pray with some women, and they and and if they are say, I want to be, I want to give all of me for all of Jesus, and they're sleeping with their boyfriend, or they have a living situation. Do not pass that by. You have to address. And there and I there have been times when I haven't known how to handle it. And we did Psalm 86, 11 about give me an undivided heart. And I knew perfectly well the little gal was sleeping with her boyfriend, which of course never lasted. And of course, I wasn't totally truthful. 
because I didn't know quite how to handle it. You and I, and they sometimes they don't like it and they back away, but the truth of the scripture is that hurts them and they are hurting each other and they are hurting the future generations and God is heart grieved and we are only fair in love to say, honey, no, if you really mean business about it, an undivided heart, and you want him to give you a new heart and new spirit, you have to separate from him, you have to wait and talk, get counseling, and then be willing a time of separation, and then be married under God, so that you address it and don't pass over it. And because the word there is very strong in that Thessalonians twice, it's pornea, which is adultery, incest, for fornication. Okay, and and then and then, um, the, and not only that. So sometimes, um, let's see. Then God has called us to holiness. We need to address it. Living together. Okay, other issues that come up. You have to, as some have said to me, oh, I love Jesus, I love Jesus, and I know perfectly well they're having an affair. And then I'll say, honey, pardon me, and, and I, they just were pouring out their heart, pouring out, I didn't have presence of mind, you know, it was so fast and hard. And then the, I got home and I said, well, I didn't say anything. I kept, she kept telling me, I love Jesus, I love Jesus, over and over. Finally, I just, the next day, I, I saw her and I said, no, you don't love Jesus. Because Jesus said in 1 John 1, 4, anyone who says, I know him and does not obey him is a liar and the truth is not in him. Whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know we are in him. He who says he abides in me must walk as Jesus walks. Yes. So you just in love can just say, honey, that's not true. Because Jesus says if you really love him, you will walk in obedience. And that means that has to stop. So then he also says, do not be drunk with wine. In Ephesians 5.18, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. So he dresses there our addictions, our chemical addictions. Because all of our addictions do for us what Jesus intended the Holy Spirit to do in our lives. Amen. So that he takes care of us, we're his, he's ours. And that we don't need wine, or we don't need liquor, or prescription drugs, or whatever the addiction is. And ladies, it can be anything like exercise, anything that's taken to the next level beyond self-control. I mean, you and I can get addicted to anything and think in your life what it is that is the passion of your heart, the default position of your heart. And I can tell you, if Jesus, you are full of Jesus. So he says, don't be drunk with one. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is good news for our people because we can say it is possible. And he can so fill us with himself that we don't need that crutch anymore. And we don't need the bondage. And we don't need the hangover that comes. 
because he, we can have Jesus, there's no hangover. Then, if, then there's times that we pray and they, that, and they walk away. You're praying with them and they go, and for whatever reason, it's happened to me, for unforgiveness. Um, Matthew 18, 22 to 35. 70 times seven, Jesus said. And, and there are times that they've come and said, uh, would start praying, and then all of a sudden I've had little gals say, I can't forgive, I won't forgive, I'll never forgive. Stand up and just turn away. And I said, well, I can't help you, nor can Jesus. You have made your decision. And when that happens, you actually watch them as the days unfold, as their life unravels because of unforgiveness, sin that we won't let go of, and their identity has become involved in the unforgiveness. It's lethal. And then there's also just plain, uh, reconciliation. Leave your gift at the altar and be reconciled to your brother. Matthew 5, 23 and 24, 18, 15 and 19. You can't always do this because sometimes the other party will not be reconciled. But Jesus says, as much as lieth in you, be reconciled to one another. And in your heart, you can be free of the anger and the bitterness and the rage and the unforgiveness. He can cleanse you. And then if you reach out in reconciliation, but they, God gives them free will, they can come back into relationship with you or they can say, I don't want it. And then you have to receive that in other-oriented agape love. And he will come and be your peace. And you will get a deep sense of his pleasure, at least trying. Because that's what God does with us all the time. Longing to reconcile us to himself, but he will not force himself on us. And then plain old self-will. Luke 9, 23 to 26. I am crucified with Christ. I, I, Galatians 2.20, uh, or um, if any man will come after me, let him take up his cross daily and follow me. So that there has to come in our life where it's the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Am I ready for that in my life? Do I live like this with Jesus? Thy will be done. Or do I live like this? Or do I live like this? Or like this? It has to be this. <laughs> and then you enter into the sweetness of who he is. Um, so that is, the, that is the beauty of praying together at the altar. And then God can, now, any questions? a very good question because sometimes and this is very helpful sometimes you can say honey are you willing for Jesus to make you willing to begin to be willing to forgive this person <laughs> because the depth of the pain is so deep and then when they get to that point and then you can then then you just um they, you say yes. Then Jesus takes, 
that's a, that's a that's a crack in the, it's not just a fix that's the beginning of God's entering into that darkness to be able to begin to bring the blood of Jesus and the cleansing of Jesus into that dark situation so he can begin to make his willing for him to to begin the process of forgiving or reconciliation. And, um, yeah. So, um, so when someone comes to you and they have, uh, they're struggling with forgiveness of some, of some other person, what do we tell them about allowing that person back in their lives? It's, it's important that they forgive, but not necessary that they accept that person back in. Yeah. Yeah, and oh, that's good. Because sometimes it's not safe. It's just not safe. And it's, it's not safe. And so but Jesus knows that. And we are responsible. And this also addresses another issue. Because we confuse sometimes if you're temperamentally a pleaser and, and or uh, or a controller, if you get in a relationship, submission in a marriage is not a pleaser and a controller. Where the wife's the pleaser and the husband's the controller. That is not Christian marriage. Because Christian marriage, submission is where I can honestly share my heart without. Ultimately, responsibility is for his direction for our home. But I have an opportunity to share what is on my heart with him in truth. But many times, sometimes we, you, you can't allow, and, but sometimes some women thinking too that it is helpful, that God wants them to, to lay down and die, but they're in, an, they're in an abusive relationship or they're in a marriage where the, uh, the husband is unfaithful, or he has a mistress, or he has um, all kinds of issues, um, immoral issues, or a spouse. I, I, but, and then they just stay in it. And it needs to be addressed. And at times, you need to, you may not need to separate, divorce, but you need to separate, <laughs> address those issues. And it is not Christian virtue to stay and just close your eyes and pretend that that's not going on. That's going on. That is living in lie. And it incredibly impacts you and incredibly impacts your spouse. And then the children have absolutely no idea of what is right or wrong. And if you and I can stand for righteousness and truth, it gives even in fragmented family situations or marriages, it gives the next generation, our children, an opportunity to know the difference between truth and error. And then they can choose, but they won't even know it if the lines are all fuzzy. And then everybody's saying, Lord, Lord. That's damning. And it also leads to emotional, mental, physical breakdowns. Just total disintegration. And so Jesus doesn't want that. that he, he died to set us free. So sometimes there have to be hard conversations and hard decisions that need to be made. And Jesus will lead you 
and Jesus will leave. Those can't all be handled in one conversation at, or one that then God can lead to the proper people and the, to lead into light and truth. But the woman can start that way. Does that make sense? Now you will begin, if you stand up for some of this, especially, there will be some backlash that will come. Like, who made you so holy that you have all? And, or you, are you just, I don't, we don't need to go through. But you have to just know in your heart because speak the truth and love. And it is not pleasing to Jesus um, that somebody thinks she's being a fine Christian by not really walking in truth and saying, this isn't right. It will hurt everyone involved. God does not want this. I'm not very clear there. Am I clear? Yeah. Because then, then the rest of life is picking up pieces. And um, that God can write redemptive stories that need to be. Any other questions? Oh, true love is helping the other person to thrive. Yes. We heard that at breakfast today, and I think you're, you're describing yeah. so many families we work with nowadays that are fractured and broken. Don't yeah. to know what true love is, not to be walking over. Yes. Them, yes. Yeah, and she. And Jesus comes, his true love is helping the other to thrive. Another oriented agape love. And it doesn't, it hurts the other person to be allowed to manipulate or control or, and it hurts us if that's what we do. And we all have faulty coping mechanisms until we are, we let him get rid of those lies that are our refuge. And we come to Jesus and let his spirit say, this doesn't need to be in your life anymore, Bethy. No more. And, and you've heard me say this before. After God did that deeper cleansing in my heart, um, all after Hemlock Inn, came back and God said to me, okay, now first thing I want to do is you and Al um, play tapes. Those were tape days. CDs to each other or whatever <laughs> and, he, and he goes so he says something and it pushes a button in you and you just regurgitate your reaction which is always the same and he, you say something and he plays it back to you so the pseudo Al is meeting the pseudo Beth and he said I don't want that anymore I want to put the knife of the cross and permission to break every single one of those CDs. Ooh, ooh. I remember sitting on my prayer chair and saying, Jesus, are you that big? Because there's something that longs for true, true fellowship, true intimacy. And you can't have it if just, if there's just one. And he responds, and I already know what he's going to say. He just broke them all up, and then we had to establish new ways to communicate. And we were fine Christians, but it's not enough. It's like entering into the beauty of Jesus, because then out of that comes true relationship. And then the sweetness of true intimacy with him and with others. And it has to be built on truth and righteousness. Truth 
not lies, not denial, and righteousness, the right actions, and the right actions are based on the word of God and his word and all the commandments are his blueprint for life. They are the love gift to us as to how ultimate reality works and how we work and how relationships work. So as we live in love and we live in the word, ooh, the joy in our hearts and in our relationships and our life. So the characteristic of our homes and families can love in love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness, faithfulness, and self-control. So it's the happiest way to live in the whole world. <laughs> okay, then, and then I want us to be able to kind of divide up to be able to pray with one another and lead someone and help someone to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So could you take your partners and then just have them pray through one of some of the scriptures and vice versa so you begin to know. Oh, and honeys, ask God for hard eyes because many times when this is shared about children, at Bible study, we would share. Then a mother would go home and she would say, oh, my little boy started talking about God. And I said, would you like to know Jesus in your, in your heart? Personally, not in your heart. <laughs> However, and yeah, have a clean heart. And then they go, yes, mommy, how do I do it? And then. That, and the next week or 10 days or two weeks, month, those women and grandmothers and aunties would call and say, found the Lord, my baby found the Lord, my four-year-old did my, I mean, so, but then have hard eyes to see the needs of other people so that he can give you, and if he lays someone on your heart, do not be intimidated to say, honey, could I pray for you? Is God talking to you? And you've heard me say this before, too. But one time I was in a speaking, and this beautiful middle-aged woman, classy, classy, well-dressed, wealthy woman, I came up. And she began, afterwards, she was the last one to leave. Um, she stayed to help. When I went to my hostesses, she brought me a gift. She, she lingered. She was right there. She looked so gorgeous. It never dawned on me, my heart that she was dying for Jesus. And I never said, do you wanna, what is Jesus saying to you? I got intimidated and just looked at the outside. Do you know two weeks later, she was in eternity and they don't know whether they're not why or how. And when they called me, I sighed. That's why her life was falling apart no matter how gorgeous she looked on the outside. Many times that happens. We get gorgeous on the outside because of the desperation inside. So if anybody's just hanging around or right there, you risk it and say, honey, is that want to pray together? Is there anything Jesus is saying to you? What do you need Jesus to do and just risk it and then then they'll say no or they'll say yes. 
but there's a door open. And if they're drawn to you, it's not because it's you, it's because of his spirit in you. And they'll have those hard eyes to see so we don't miss the ones that God is working. And just say, God, please. And then ask him to make you brave. Ask him to make you brave. And, and with this, I'm through. I, I just got, when we were in England, I didn't know anybody but one person in the whole country. So I was invited for tea by my neighbor on the other side. She was Indonesian. Her husband was in the British Council. She was brilliant. She spoke six or seven languages. So we went for tea. But I didn't say anything about Jesus because I wanted a friend. And I didn't want to put her off. I wanted her to like me. So that night I crawled into bed and Jesus said, well, I noticed you went for tea today with your neighbor. And I said, oh, I was kind of hoping you hadn't noticed. <laughs> and he said, I noticed you didn't say one word about me. I said, well, Jesus, I just got here. I don't know anybody. I was hoping to have a friend. And he goes, well, Bethy, are you ashamed of me? Well, no, not really, Jesus. I just thought I'd use the drip method a little at a time. He said, well, that's fine. But he said, I want you to call her and invite her to teach in your house tomorrow and tell her about me. I said, no, you've got to be kidding. So he said, no, I didn't sleep all night. So the next day I said, now what shall I do? He said, for heaven's sakes, obey Jesus so we can get some sleep. <laughs> so I called her and she said, you would, another time you would want to comfort me. Oh, she would. Well, and then I go, I'm not doing this again. So the poor little lady walks in my door and I started talking about Jesus the moment she came in. <laughs> Yesterday we had tea and I never told you about my best friend Jesus. And blah, 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 blah. I didn't know it was not the way you do soul winning and all. But the poor lady sat down and was like, <laughs> and then I sat down and took a breath. And we both breathed, took a breath. And then she looked at me and she goes, is there anything in your religion about life after death? And then I was shocked. And I go, yes. And then she said, I have rare blood disease and I am dying. And she said, I have three little boys, seven, five, and three. And I don't know where I'm going and what will happen to my children. And I have been praying to the supreme being, whoever he is, for three weeks that I could find out about life after death. I didn't make that up. I sat there. So when he lays somebody on your heart, obey. And don't be ashamed. Let him come with the sweetness of the Holy Spirit so that you share him. And she found Jesus. It took nine months before I could work through all the different things. And 
but she found Jesus. And do you know what else Jesus did? He healed her. Totally, completely of that blood disorder. And she did. So what he's looking for, you and I are not the Savior, nor the sanctifier. We are just a squeaky clean vessel in love with the Savior who can share with others what Jesus has done for me and for you. And then the irresistibility of that in a broken, broken Oh, Holy Spirit, would you come and would you teach us how to share your beauty with a lost and dying? Would you give us If you want to learn more about Titus Women, visit us online at TitusWomen.org.